Welcome back, everyone. Another podcast with the interns here at dogman.com. I'm Jack McCauley. That's Luke Munger. This week, we got what? The Cascade Clash, the Border War, whatever you want to call it. It's rivalry week. Rivalry week. It's hate week. The Oregon Ducks, the undefeated Oregon Ducks march into town, ranked number eighth in the nation. The Washington Huskies hosting with number seven game day here in Seattle. It's a big week. Luke, what do you what do you got going on for this momentous matchup? Yeah, well, I'll be getting on a plane tomorrow night and it's a Wednesday when we're recording this heading back up to Seattle. I cannot wait to watch the dogs in person in what will be the biggest regular season game of our lives. Is that fair to say? Biggest Yeah, outside of the Alabama game, it's the biggest game of our lives. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you could put we had the Rose Bowl my senior year at UW. There was the uh, Chick-fil-A uh, Peach Bowl uh, against Alabama, which was a college football. The biggest, game. yeah. So those are postseason games. I've got to – but I think it's definitely fair to say this is the biggest the big, postseason game. Yes, the biggest home game I've ever been to, and it's not yeah. close. I don't think I've ever been so anxious for a sporting event either. It's insane, like, dude. It's just, it's just one of those events that it's – there's so – like, I mean, the, like, sure, the Mariners last year, like, sure, you know, Washington has had some other good moments. You know, the Seahawks have had some big, like, the Super Bowl and whatnot. But, like, this one is just, like, weird because everything's coming to Seattle. There hasn't been, like, the whole nation's going to be watching. Yeah. You know, it's going to be the the spectacle of America this weekend, college game day. And I've never been to – I wasn't able to go to college game day in 2016. And so it's just all these kind of emotions, you know, and it's against Oregon too. It's your rival. Both of them are ranked for the first time or in the top 10 for the first time in program history. So, and it's the last year of the PAC 12, you have two Heisman candidates. Yeah. There's just so many storylines to this, like outside of it already being Oregon and rivalry week. There's just, you can add as many superlatives as you want to it. For sure. No, it's crazy. I mean, to that point, yeah, I just think about the history of this rivalry in our lives, Jack, Obviously, the Huskies went through a really dark time in this rivalry. Um, and then it's flipped on its head into just my sophomore and junior years of college. Two absolute shellackings by the dogs, 70-21, 38-3, right? And then the, the flip is – or the script is kind of flipped. Um, the Huskies, I guess, they ended up being a Rose Bowl team that year, but lose in Autzen. The next year, it's Easton season. The Huskies blow a couple score lead at home. Right, and then there's the Jimmy Lake season. They do the same um, thing in the Jimmy Lake season. They were, you know, you're up, have them. It's just like, but it's just. I think what I'm trying to get here too. There were there were maybe a game or two in there where both teams are pretty solid, but I think what's like it really feels like the first time in my life, or at least in my conscious life, like where I like had a memory, <laughs> like could, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Where, and it, both teams are like operating near their peaks like this is like like a great washington team and a great oregon team like balling out yeah (laughs) national television and it's like one it's it's two there's you're three and three in the last six games kind of like you said each team is kind of each team has had a weird like up and down trajectory and each team has gone through what three head coaches and it's just a weird it's just you know this. It's just like this is this is a game that like cements itself forward in the rivalry. Mm-hmm. You can tell like this whatever team wins this, I feel like just gets a little bit of that extra catapult 
especially like Washington, like winning on the road. I mean, winning at home, you know, in front of fans. And there's so many recruits coming in to visit too. It's one of those games. And with the nation just like already watching, there's so much on the table for it. And for those saying that they're confident about that game, both sides of the fan, you are, you're absolutely lying to yourself deep down. You know, you're anxious. I don't think anybody cannot be anxious for this game. No, it's impossible. I mean, like you said, this is the most anxious I've been. Normally, the Husky fan in me goes through various cycles of confidence and fear. Yeah. But I, I think I've constantly been – I'm not going to give away my confidence interval, but I've been pretty steadily at this number for weeks. That's not – actually, that's not true. It's going all over the place. <laughs> Probably change before we get to confidence interval. But Yeah, um, I'm, I, think, I think it's been one of those where you, you'll – you might hear something in the news on Twitter or like you'll hear something from a press conference or you'll see something on film and you'll be like, I'm up, I'm down, I'm up, I'm yeah. down, you know, and you just kind of ride the roller coaster all the way up to kickoff and there's nothing you can do to help it. Cause kind of like you said, normally the fan in you already bumps it up like 10%. Oh yeah. But this For game, sure. it's like, you probably, yeah. honestly, this game, you're either, I, I don't even know. I don't even, you're probably right where you should be at. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, anyways, getting into this Oregon team that the Huskies will be taking on, new offensive coordinator, obviously Kenny Dillingham, left last year to join Arizona State as the head coach. Will Stein brought on from UTSA in his first year. So far through five games, Ducks scoring over 50 points a game. Haven't really broken a sweat and putting up a lot of points. Uh, Jack, tell us a little bit about this Duck offense. Yeah. Um, they're, you know, sure. Dan, I mean, not Dan Lanning, um, Dillingham left this last year, but Stein's been able to maintain, maybe not like in a different style for sure, but they've been able to maintain the explosiveness and they've been able to maintain their offensive output. Um, they got a lot of playmakers, obviously. I mean, they returned Bo Nix, who's definitely a Heisman candidate. Um, and he's a very experienced player as well, but I mean, Washington, if they really want to win this game, they have to be able to stop the run because Bucky Irving and Jordan James are two. It's a great one-two punch for the game. And that's without Noah Whittingham, too, who, you know, he caused a lot of havoc last year against Washington, ran for a touchdown. Um, Unfortunately for him, um, sadly suffered a season-ending injury. Um, You never want to see that to anybody. But Bucky Irving and Jordan James lead a dynamic backfield. And I kind of think of them both as just pinballs that are able to bounce around and you know, they'll hit one guy, bounce off him for another three yards, bounce off that guy for an extra two, then go down. So they're just extremely good after contact, yards after contact. And Washington, if they want to win this game, I think they really have to be able to wrap up um, Yeah. In, in the trenches. Like, obviously, the defensive line has to come to play and be able to lock those holes. But the linebackers, the Husky, Michelle Powell, and Dom Hampton specifically have to play out of their mind because you can't, like, sure, like, it's going to happen where he'll be able to get by the defensive line and, you know, into this, into the, like, you know, into that second level, it's going to happen a multitude yeah. of times. It's about letting those five to five to six yard plays go for 10 to 12. Like you can't let those, let those huge chunk yardage plays come at you because then that's where Oregon's going to open it up with their passing game. And they sure have a lot of threats there. Um, obviously like their number one target, Troy Franklin, um, and he leads the team in receptions with 32. Nobody even has 
uh, half as much as him. He's like their primary guy. Um, luckily, Washington's got a good corner this year in Jabbar Muhammad. He's going to have his hands full all day. Um, Tez Johnson's another guy, and Treshawn Holden, the Alabama transfer. Tez Johnson, um, I believe a te- Temple transfer, um, correct? Um, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, he's actually um, brothers with um, adopted brothers with Bo Nix. I'm pretty sure. But so there's a they have a lot of playmakers, and then obviously Gary Bryant too, another guy. Um, he's he's a guy who's he's caught 18 balls this year for two. He's explosive as well from USC. So they have a number of guys on the outside as well. But I will say something before I let you kind of let dive into it, Luke. I don't know if you saw it this year as much, but Oregon they don't go outside the hash marks as much this year. They like to stay in the middle of the field. Yeah. Um, and that's something that Washington, if you can contain them, contain them to that and not let them be, you know, open stuff up outside the hash marks along with running the ball. Well, you're going to have a fighter's chance to get a, get a couple stops and a couple stops in this game is going to allow, you know, light wins. Yeah. Like you said, they don't, and they, they don't, they haven't had to, but they don't throw it outside the hashes a ton. They don't throw it deep a ton either. I was looking before this game and I th- it's been put on Twitter as well, but I think. Bo this year's eight of nineteen on passes that travel twenty yards in the air, uh, and then I believe that number is four of twelve. Is it twenty yards downfield outside the hashes? Right, so that's not an area. But I would also say that's a relatively small sample size. And anybody who watched last year's game knows that Bo Nix is capable of making those throws, especially if he's able to break contain by some time. He had. Uh, he hit Troy a couple times deep in that game um, down the sideline. So, yeah, I mean, it's certainly something that they're capable of. It just hasn't been as much of a focus. What I think Bo Nix, just going back to this offense, does really well. They have those two running backs that are really talented. Gary Bryant is a fourth receiver also to kind of keep an eye on for the Ducks. So they, they have a number of playmakers. Um, and what Bo Nix does a really good job of is he gets the ball out quickly Um He's only taken three sacks. He's completed 80% of his passes. His average depth of target is like 6.4 yards per pass. So it's not like he's airing it out, but he's got a number of options. And as long as he's like on point on time, there's a great chance that they'll keep the sticks moving uh, with his accuracy. And then with a number of those guys having the ability to break tackles in turn, you know, short passes or handoffs into big gains. So to your point, I mean, I think, one thing Washington really needs to do is not like is to wrap up and then to swarm to the ball as well. I mean, these guys are great at breaking tackles. Tackles will be broken, right? So it's just a matter of like, like, can you pop, like if a tackle is going to be broken, can someone deliver enough of a lick that it slows someone down enough for the next few guys to get there and finish the job. Um, and then make Oregon put together some long methodical drives. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost it's the question is too is like how quickly do you want them to score if they're going to score too, you know? Just because Washington, I, I don't that's 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 a, that's like a weird off topic kind of just spiel, but you know, I guess game that's just like game management in a sense. But something too, I feel like from last year that I'm interested to see the difference in, like obviously Oregon hasn't been throwing outside the hash marks as much or taking as many shots down the field, but Washington secondary last year when when traveling to Autzen was extremely depleted and also has re has like, they've definitely grown not only a lot, they've added some pieces as well to bolster that room. Um, this off season, that's definitely proven useful. Like Javion green, for instance, was a starter that is a true freshman was a starter at Oregon. And he's the, he's someone who got burned a couple times deep 
um, for touchdowns. And he's a third stringer this year for Washington. So how much is this bolstered Washington secondary going to be able to play up and defend two, some really good receivers that Oregon has? That, that I think, is going to be something really interesting to watch. Also, something that, you know, it's been poked around on Twitter a lot. It's been put out in a number of places. Like Bo Nix on the road versus top 10 teams, his record's not too great. So mm. how, you know, I don't, you know, obviously I feel like in, it, that stat in the NFL is a lot different than college just because college, your your maturity rate is so much quicker and faster mm. than the NFL. So I don't know how much that goes into it, but I, I think that also probably about that stat is I feel like a lot of that would factor in his SEC days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still though, still. But like with a big crowd, with probably the loudest clout crowd of the turn of, since the turn of the century, I'm sure. Um, outside of the Nebraska 2001 that everybody talk that every, all the boomers talk about, but. Um, <laughs> but but anyways yeah i don't how much is that going to play a factor into it because yeah. you you'd expect it to for big game like this you'd expect it to you know there's a the, the crowd you know typically in betting the home team gets a three-point advantage for a reason but in, you know in a bigger game like this how yeah. much is washington going to get how, how much help are they going to get from the crowd but i think kind of as we alluded to earlier i really do think the key to the game is being able to make bo nicks make some throws over the middle, you don't want Bucky Irving and Jordan James to really backpack that Oregon offense and really be able to control the game. Yeah, no, I think I think it's going to be a sight to behold. But uh, obviously, I think one last thing to touch on with the Duck offense got a strong offensive line, lots of familiar names. Josh Connerly, left tackle from Rainier Beach, had a great season his first year as a starter. Stephen Jones is another guy the Huskies ran on the recruiting process. Um, yeah, they have a couple of athletic tackles. Their right tackle is, I believe, a Rhode Island transfer. But he's really- yeah, AJ Corn. He's very. They have a very good offensive line. That's another yes. thing that's kind of yeah. contributes to the run game too, for sure. Um, so yeah, and then one last stat that I wanted to mention. I was looking on PFF. So Becky Irving averaging four point four yards after contact per carry. Jordan. Uh, Jordan James averaging 3.5 yards after contact per carry. So um, like not only are they, I mean, and then both of them are combining for about eight yards of carry. So not only yeah. are they getting a lot, like there's a lot of push not- and then they're breaking the first tackle. It's a good offense. But also I think there's one thing that, for both teams, honestly, that you can kind of point to is be like, on. I, I think, I think the, I think the edge goes to Washington in this category, like defenses faced. I mean, Oregon's the best defense they faced is Texas Tech. Uh, you know, a two and three Texas or what two and three and three Texas Tech team. Yeah. Um so they haven't really gone up against I feel I feel, you know, they've gone up against Stanford, who is yeah, the worst team in the conference. And Colorado, where great offense, but defensively along the line of scrimmage, they haven't gone up a great defensive line yet. And they haven't gone up a great offensive line too. So that's something I think will be very telling early on in the game. Yeah. How, you know, if both teams haven't gone up against great competition. So I think that's also something to take a note in and kind of transitioning, you know, into their defense. I think like controlling the line of scrimmage on the defensive line, I think it's similar on offense where, 
you know, I feel like you just at this point, you kind of know what Washington's going to give you in the passing game. If you're able to open up that run game a little bit more, being able to bring those safeties linebackers in a little bit. I think that's going to help you out a lot. Cause what, cause Oregon sure has some good edge rushers defensive tackle though. I don't know. I, I don't know how tested their defensive line is because Stanford and Colorado as your two best lines that you faced all year. Washington's definitely a different challenge than those two. Certainly. But there is, I mean, like you mentioned, you, you gave credit to their defensive ends and their edge rushers very much deserve Jordan Birch and Brandon Dorless are obviously, uh, and Marion Winston are guys who have been around for a long time in the interior. Uh, Popo Amuave has been around for quite some time as well. Uh, Jeffrey Bassa at inside linebacker. I mean, I think their front seven is pretty formidable. Uh, they've done a great job this year so far. Like you said, Jack, I mean, neither team has played exceptional competition, mm-hmm. um, but they're limiting opponents to just 3.2 yards of carry. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think what I'm most interested to see, like you said, I think it, like, I don't know. I, I think Washington has done such a good job over the past year and a half of keeping Michael Penix on his feet. I think it'll be fascinating to watch this offensive line against Oregon's front seven. And if they're able to keep Michael Penix upright and give him time to throw. Yeah. I mean, that's the key to everything. Also for what it's worth, I feel like Oregon's secondary for some reason on Twitter has been like unnecessarily roasted. I I think it's a pretty good group, but I also think that I think that Washington has an NFL quarterback and three NFL receivers, and that's very tough to stop. So I think if Washington's offensive line does their job of keeping the pocket clean for Michael Penix, I think Washington will be scoring points. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I think – I mean, or Kyrie Jackson's a very good corner, and Evan Williams, I think, is a very good safety. The guys you want to target, though – um, Jaleel Florence is, I, I think he's a good cover corner. He's been solid all year. Oregon fans really seem to like him. Um, but the guys that I think if you're going to go after guys, I think Dante Manning, uh, he's a corner. You put him in, you know, you spread out, you get three, four wide receivers in, go after get some one-on-one matchups against them. You should motions maybe to get a guy off of Kyrie Jackson to not follow Dan Lanning. Didn't even do that at Georgia. That's something they haven't done too much. Um, and then also, they're uh, one of their safeties. Tyshim Johnson has had a little bit of struggles this year in coverage as well. Solid tackler, but I think if you're able to get them, um, I, I think I think I think that's where Washington's gonna, could excel. But you know, I think certainly Oregon has a great secondary. Then again, I just it's just like you know who have they? I think Colorado. It's like obviously they can put up points, but you're missing Travis Hunter. And then obviously we saw that offensive line. You know they're not the best. But you, I mean, it's tough to tell. It's tough to tell. It's really just a tough to tell. It's one of those like you just gotta let it see between the between the lines on the gridiron on Saturday. For but sure. but I think or I think the biggest key for Washington, kind of going back to it, is being able to take advantage of their linebackers, use some misdirection, you know, being mm-hmm. able to control the line of scrimmage, being able to pop some runs that might allow you to open up a little bit more for some explosion. Because I think the more explosion, the better. You need some fireworks to yeah. go off. I do think it'll be interesting to see. Well, and one thing to your point is, like any secondary, uh, I, I think Oregon has a lot of talent. There are some pieces though that are more proven. 
Yeah, that's the advantage of it, especially with it sounding like Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan will play. Um, and then with the emergence of Jeremy Bernard over the last few weeks, I mean, there are like if the Huskies drop back and Michael Penix has time, they're just there are too many weapons to cover, right? So, yes, and they, and they're, exactly. And if they're able to get both opening up running holes, but also get time with their quarterback, one of you, if you get like five, six seconds of time, you'd expect one of Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunsey, and Jalen Polk to, to somehow find their way open. Yeah, find some space. <laughs> yeah, like they're so good at that too. And they're so good at bringing down contested balls. Like those, those, those are massive for them. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think who, I think really whoever is able to control the line of scrimmage this game, and it's kind of like every game, but especially this game with two teams that, you know, can air it out. You're able to get a couple stops and control the line of scrimmage. They're going to find the way to win the game. For that sure. sounds so cliche though. To, to no, say that. totally. I mean, but it's like, you get four stops, you get four or five stops in the game. You're going to win. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know. Jack, have you seen an over for this one? I should probably have done that research. It's 67. 67. Oh, that's a pretty good number. It's <laughs> a great number. I know. That's a great number. <laughs> it's, that's like right where, that's right where you, I, I feel like. I was going to say, I was like, I was hoping it would be like low 60s. He's going to be putting up I feel like 31 to 38 points. Yeah. 67, 67 is a tough number though. It is. It is a tough one, but I will say, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think huh, there's just there's all there's so much. I, I I'm worried about just like opening cans of worm and and just like spiraling. open open one. See what see what see what Lukey's got it. All right, this is one Jack. We were talking about our group text today, but I think it'll just be so interesting in front of such a packed crowd to see which team whichever team wins the toss, which they choose. Yes, yes. I I honestly think that's like uh. That first drive, I honestly think for each team Just is massive. Is massive. It sets the tone too. Cause if you're Washington and you're able to defer the toss, Oregon gets the ball, you somehow you get a stop and then you go score. That crowd is it's absolutely venomous in there. Yes, yes. But on the on the on the flip side, Washington receives the toss, they don't score, Oregon goes and scores. That takes so much out of the crowd. It's okay. like you you know. And I feel like there's so much momentum and so much – it's such a tone setter, and especially in a game this – I mean, crap, the, the coin toss often doesn't matter just because, you know, the difference in opponents in college football is so – is such a spectrum. And yeah. so – but in a game like this, a rivalry game, a team where they're – you know, I'm sure both sides are coming out with some jitters. You're able to get – you're able to establish some confidence early on. It's going to help propel you through the rest of the way. Absolutely. Man. This is it's just one of those games, especially with a bye week for both teams before these two weeks have felt agonizingly slow. Yes. And then we're gonna get to twelve thirty on Saturday and it's gonna be like, holy cow, this came too fast. <laughs> yes. That's just how it goes though. That's just how it goes. Sweet. All right. Um now let's dive into some of our late show antics. Do we wanna start with bets to bark? Yeah. Um I'm 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 voluntarily batting leadoff in this just because I don't want you to steal my guy. Yeah. Um, offensively, I I mean, I, I kind of like we talked about, you know, Jalen Polk, Romo Dunsey, Jalen McMillan, they're going to have their moments. They're going to be able to find some space to make some catches. They're going to find their way. And I think Oregon really is going to try and hone in on that. Um, really use their safeties to sneak their guys over linebackers sneaking over as well. And what that's going to do is going to open up the middle for Jack Westover. And I think Jack Westover, 
I think I think Jack Westover is a guy that's tough to prepare for because he can do a lot of things to you, and you just don't think about him that much when you, it can be so e- it's so easy to get blinded by the three receivers that are yeah. that that are you know that are out in front of you, um, and it often leaves Jack Westover for those design plays that allow him to go for 20, 25, 30 yards, and I think one or two of those happens, and I think. I think they're big difference makers and where it could extend drives it could, yeah. and it's going to really help them out. Totally. All right. My turn on offense. This is a guy we haven't picked him this year in part. I honestly think it's because either we're, we're scared to, or we don't think it's allowed, but I'm just going to go right for it. And I'm going to pick Michael Penix. <laughs> <I knew that. laughs> so you uh, think, a Heis- so what you're saying is, if you're picking Penix, he's going above what he's – so he's having a Heisman-type moment. Today. Well, I think I was going to say, I mean, this has the opportunity. Like, if if the Huskies win this game and Michael Penix balls out, like, this could be – like, there will be clips from this game that are shown at the uh, at the Heisman presentation ceremony. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> what I'm hearing is Luke decided to take those odds back in January. <laughs> Michael <laughs> Penix plus 1,100. No, this is like – this is literally like – I mean – he returns for his final year of eligibility. Huskies are undefeated at home against rival undefeated Ducks, top 10 matchup. And if they win this game, like this is, it has the pot, it has the potential to be like a legacy game. You know what I mean? Oh, so, yeah. Which is why I've got to pick Michael Penix. Good. I'll let you go first Good. on the defensive side too. Defensive. I think it's going to be a really physical game for this Husky defense. Um, and kind of as I've alluded to this whole this whole time, I really think the trenches are going to be a big part of controlling the game. You're, you need to establish some confidence. And kind of with confidence, you need a guy who's going to set the tone for you, um, who's not going to be afraid to get dirty and really just set, just set the tone. And I don't think he's necessarily going to lead the team in tackles or um, – He's not going to, you know, do anything that's going to be too long jaded or in the game and whatnot. But I think there's a couple plays that he makes that really just help out a dr- stop a drive or really set, you know, that bar high. And I think Raylan Goforth comes in and makes a big splash um, against Oregon. You know, they they want they want someone who's going to go head hunting, and I think that's what he does. Love that. I think that's a great pick. Uh, for me, <clears throat> I'm thinking about like. How am I trying to articulate this? There's a guy that, like, I think Oregon is going to spread the ball out a lot. They run the ball really well between the tackles, but they also run it to the outside. They do quick passes to the outside, and then they've got a big, dangerous receiver in uh, Troy Williams. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking about a guy who can get involved in coming up and making plays on quick hitter passes, a guy who can cut down runs on the outside. And then the best coverage guy that the Huskies have, if it gets to a situation where the Ducks need to throw the ball downfield, and that's Jabbar Muhammad. I'm picking Jabbar Muhammad. Love it. That's a great pick. Yeah, I think. I feel like we're drafting fantasy teams right now. Yeah, predictions, but I think he'll be sticky. Um, And if he is able to rise to the occasion and can be a thorn in the side of Troy Williams, that'll go a long way in helping the Huskies secure a, a couple of those critical stops. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, next up, you know, we've, we've been doing our pack 12 predictions, weekly predictions, which has been kind of fun. We picked 10 games so far and Luke and I are tied at nine and one. Um, Luke got me the first week with an Oregon state or with a UCLA. Uh, we didn't do the last week, the bye week. Yeah. Luke got me the first week in a pack 12 play with a, uh, 
UCLA loss in um no 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 it wasn't that it was a U I don't even know I don't even remember where it was that it was Wazoo Oregon State that's what it was yes anyways I got him last two weekends ago with um Oregon State upsetting yeah, Utah, Utah. Mm-hmm. um so now we're 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 back we're back to uh square one we're even first game up on the board should be one of the easier ones to predict Cal Utah oh yeah well let's go Utah are we gonna do Friday night. Yeah, well, we'll do Friday night. Okay, good. Wait, wait, wait. It's, gotta it's gotta be Utah. There's a Friday game. There is this week. Yes, sir. Who? Um, I'm gonna take you to Boulder, Colorado. It is this Friday. Well, you're right. Yeah, it didn't even pop up. So Boulder, no, I'll, I'll, take I'll me to Boulder, Colorado. Was that? Take me to Boulder, Colorado, Luke. Yeah, <laughs> and we've got the one and four Stanford Cardinal. <laughs> Taking on. Coach Prime and the Buffs. Buffs looking to get one game closer to bowl eligibility would be quite an accomplishment. They still need two more wins. Will this be one of them, Jack? Yeah, I think so. Um, Stanford's the worst team in the conference. You're playing at altitude. They just don't have the playmakers, I don't think, to keep up with their offense. I do think, though, could be plus 11, taking plus 11 to cover for the Stanford is pretty intriguing just because they're much more physical than, than Colorado. Yeah, it is interesting. I still can't believe that Stanford won on the road against Hawaii to start this year. It's been a long, mm-hmm. long few weeks since then. But yeah, I think, like you said, I think, um, I think the Buffs will outrun them. I think they'll score. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. Like you said, I think a coverage could be interesting from Stanford. You know, maybe they can they can pull within ten fourth quarter. But <laughs> I've got <laughs> I've got the best one in that one. Yeah, that's a that's a good one there. Here's an, we got another interesting one coming up. Arizona heading the, to the Palouse to take on Washington State. I believe the line set at minus yeah. eight or minus nine for Wazoo. Arizona though has been playing some pretty good ball lately. Yeah, you know I think this potentially could be a place where we jump off. I'm kind of just itching to see something. And I you know I think Noah Fafita deserves a win. He's been playing hard, um, and they were right there on the road against uh, USC. I think Pullman is a harder place to play than the Coliseum. Obviously not a hot take, I don't think. But <laughs> um, nevertheless, I think that Noah Fafita gets it done in the Palouse. Jack, what do you think? Oh, this is a one that I'm just so torn between because Washington State did look not great last week. Um, but then again, it's just, you know, it's it's a tougher place to play. And also, you know, is you you have to wonder what Arizona's locker rooms like after losing two close games, but at, at the same token, it's like you've lost closely to two of the best teams in the country. So you have yeah. to assume it maybe gets you a good confidence booster. Um, but yeah, man, I'm taking the Wildcats too, and I just think their running game is in their yeah. offensive line is going to be too much for Wazoo. I think it's going to be a close game, um, and I think Arizona State squeaks out a win or Arizona. Arizona, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Right. And then also to clarify, we both picked Utah, correct? <laughs> I know I kind of glanced, I glossed over that one. Yes, yes, we did. That was, that was a shoe-in. Yes. Um, next up, we got two good games next. I think the latter, though, is actually going to be a, a – is the harder one to pick. Yeah. Uh, USC, Notre Dame, um, the first one. Notre Dame heads down to South Bend to take on the Fighting Irish in a, another good rivalry week rivalry game right after USC and Oregon or UW and Oregon wrap up. Um, who do you like in this one? 
Um, you know, I think this will be an interesting game. Notre Dame played Ohio State tight. Um, and then obviously coming off of a disappointing loss last week to Louisville after barely escaping Duke, kind of hard to gauge what this team is. I think that USC is more talented being on the road in South Bend will be difficult more than anything. I think the PAC 12 needs USC to win this game. And for that reason, I'm going to, I'm going to ride with our boys in Troy. I'm going to pick the Trojans. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's one of those games that could definitely go either way. Uh, But since game day's coming into town, I'm going to hit you with a not so fast. Um, I think I think I think the Irish get it done. I think the the weather there's supposed to be thunderstorms and heavy rain um in South Bend this weekend. And because of that, I think it's going to limit USC's ability to get downfield through the air and it's going to be a slower paced game where Notre Dame is going to be able to use their running run game. Audric Estime is the best back in college football too Same. and USC's D-line has been struggling this year. Stop the run. Like last game against Arizona it felt like they were they were uh getting around on like eight yards a pop. So I think Notre Dame is going to run on them and Notre Dame is going to take it. Um, an unfortunate loss for the PAC 12, but I just, I just think it's, you know, it's a tough place to play rivalry game. It's gonna be close, bad weather. I'm going Notre Dame next game up. I think this is the best game of the week in the conference. UCLA and Oregon state, two teams who are uh, vying to stay alive in both the PAC 12 and playoff race for that matter, I guess. Yeah, and it's a it's a game either team just can't afford to lose. Uh, they've already they each they've each dropped one already. You know, each team is definitely talented enough to reach the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, but whoever wins this or whoever loses this, it's just you see this is where you could see cannibalization starting. Um, the, oh, for the, sure. Yeah. So cannibal conference. Um, you know, I think if we we're gonna go back in time to UCLA knocking off the Cougs last weekend, I think Cam Ward was playing excellent football. He was obviously fantastic against the Beavs when the Cougs took them down in the Palouse. Um, And UCLA has such a sick pass rush that I think they were able to overwhelm what the Cougs wanted to do, and that's throw the ball downfield with Cam Ward. Now, you go to Corvallis. DJU has been pretty good. (laughs) Like, I mean, he hasn't been bad, but I mean... He's been... He's been been there. He's been there. So, like, I just think that Oregon State, like Damian Martinez, on the other hand, has been absolutely sick. I think that he will run the ball super well. I think the Beavs in Reeser are very tough to beat. I think UCLA obviously has a ridiculous pass rush, but I just don't think the Beavs are trying to like take shots downfield to DJU the way that the Cougs tried to with Cam Ward, which allowed UCLA to get after him. I think Oregon State neutralizes that, ekes out a close one at home. Yeah, Damian Martinez is one of the best, if not the best running back in the entire conference. And Oregon State is very good on the line of scrimmage. Um, And they're at home. I think that's another thing, too. But even with that being said, I'm going to go with the Bruins. Mm. Um, I I think UCLA's defensive line is so, so good. And I think after getting a good win like that, where and you're able to, like you kind of, like you kind of said, DJ, you just hasn't been. It's not like he's done a ton through the air. I think you're able to sneak up a little bit, make him throw the ball. And with a team that already has a great defensive line, great edges and linebackers, I think you're able to um, keep him pretty one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, so I don't see them scoring a ton. And it's going to be one of those games that finishes like 17-14. Um, <laughs> woo. 
Like, I think I, I just a real barn burner in Corvallis. Um, but uh, I, I think the Bruins pull it out. I think the Bruins, I just think you gain a little bit of confidence with Dante Moore, not necessarily playing so great, but I think just having a couple wins behind you, it helps out a lot. Absolutely. Sweet. And now we get into the moment of truth for this show, the confidence interval. Jack, yeah. I'm lead us off. Confidence interval again. Oh my gosh. I don't think, a, I don't think a solid number is just, I don't think a solid number is so I, I can say a solid number. Um, so I'm going to go with, I'm going to go into the decimals here. I'm going to say 5.3 um, out of 10. <laughs> and that really is a, that, that point three is there. That 3% is there. It's the gambling three. It's the home crowd 3%. Yeah. Um, I do think Washington wins the game, but it's, I'm extremely scared and I feel like it could go either way just as easily. I also though think the one thing that I, I think Washington has the potential to blow Oregon out. I don't think Oregon has the potential to blow Washington out. Hmm. Um, And I think Washington too, another reason that gives me a little bit of confidence is Kayla Navarre is so good when coming off by weeks and he's just so good when he needs to step up into the big moment and play those bi- these big teams that his track record just gives you a little bit of confidence towards the Washington end. I think matchup wise, Oregon might have a little bit of an advantage in some areas, but then again, too, it's like how much have they really been tested? Like Texas tech, the Texas tech defense and offense is the best you've seen. So I don't know. Yeah. But I'm saying 5.3 out of 10. Sounds good. I think I'm going to be in a pretty similar spot. I'm going 5.1. <laughs> but I know that there's obviously the gambling three, like you said. That doesn't mean that on a neutral field, my it would be 4.8. I think it's about five, and it just I'm, it, the scale is slightly tipped with it being at home for the Huskies. I think these are really evenly matched teams. I was trying to think of how to articulate it. I mean, I think Oregon is really solid all around. I think they play great defense. They run the ball well. They have good options. Uh, in the past game, Bo Nix has been super effective this year. Uh, I really just, I don't know, dude. I really believe in Michael Penix. I think that he's an X factor at home. Um, potential legacy building moment. An absolute rabid crowd at Husky Stadium. Yeah. The likes of which haven't been seen. I, there are comparisons out there, and I think it's fair because the 2016 Stanford game was electric, but I don't think that'll hold a candle to what it'll be like on Saturday. Like, uh, because obviously and that game was a Friday night too, for sure. And it was, it was packed and it was loud, but this is Oregon. Like people are going to, people are going to be going nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. I can't wait. Um, so yeah, I'm going 5.1. Yeah. I'm, I think we're both in similar boats and I think every fan across both sides of the pendulum are probably in similar boats for their own team. They're probably each thinking around the, that range as well. It's hard really hard to gauge um this game but nonetheless it's gonna be an all it should be an all-time matchup you know both teams have a lot on the line a lot on the line and i don't think you can repeat it enough that there is so much to this game from the pageantry of college football and just rivalries as in general to just the how talented both teams are and what this win can do for their them and their seasons man and what's amazing about it is we're just a couple days from seeing it happen live. I know. I know. <laughs> we're a couple days. Um, but with that, you know, we'll wrap it up here. Um, 
as for everything, go find all your pregame content on dogman.com. I mean, it couldn't be a bigger week. A lot of recruits in town visiting. Um, so go check out that there, that go check that out there. Um, you know, Scott, Chris, and Kim do a great job with updating everything, especially with some injury news coming, you know, who knows what, how, you know, health will be a player. Um, but for now, Jack McCauley alongside Luke Munger, go dogs. 